When John and Bethany started short-term rentals, they wanted to retire Bethany within 12 months. Well, they did that in less than 12 weeks of putting their nose down and working hard. Plus, they did it in a really small market. We're going to talk about that right now with John and Bethany Davis here on the Fearless Investor Podcast. If you are serious about building your short-term rental business to $10,000, $20,000, maybe even $30,000 a month or more, you have come to the right place. My name is Kyle Stanley, and this is the Fearless Investor Podcast, where we teach you all things short-term rentals. The best guests, the best tools, the best strategies. There are so many investing paths out there. It can be seriously overwhelming to start out as a new investor, but take it from me, short-term rentals is the best and the quickest way to build your cash flow. So buckle up, listen in, and get ready to conquer the world of short-term rentals. Here we go. Hey, Fearless community, before we get the show started, I want to let you know that you now have the chance to get direct access to me in order to grow and strengthen your short-term rental business. How? The Six Figure Formula Membership. I'm the only one in this space offering this value-packed membership for a stupid, stupid low price of $49 per month, and you get access to me my podcast guests, you get to be a part of our amazing private community, you get our full A to Z business in a box STR kickstart course, and maybe most exciting, especially for me, you get exclusive discounts that we worked for months to get that no one else is getting out there. Price Labs, AirDNA, NoiseAware, HostAway, and so many more at your fingertips. So become a part of this 6FF movement. Get started today for just $49 a month at fearlesskyle.com forward slash 6FF. Hey, welcome into the Fearless Investor Podcast. You are listening to me, Kyle Stanley. We are talking all things short-term rentals all the time. And I know a lot of you have asked, I want to own more properties. I want to take this thing to the next level. And I love arbitrage. I love coasting because I don't need any money. But now I've started to build up some income. Or maybe I've got a lot of money saved in the bank and I want to go own more properties and it's really tough right now with interest rates. But we are going to continue to pump out more and more information about owning properties, especially through creative financing. That's a sneak peek into what we've got coming up in 2024. There's going to be a lot, a lot of content about that. We're going to be bringing in some strategic partners for that to talk about how to be able to take over either existing loans that are in the 3% or even getting homeowners to sell or finance to you and to reduce those rates to into the fours, the fives, maybe even less. We're going to be giving out so much content about that. And I really hope that you'll continue to tune in. But today we have John and Bethany Davis talking to us about their story through short-term rentals. I really got to know both of these two. Um, they've done some major, major things within their family, within their business in just nine short months. They came to me in February. They said, we need to make this business work. They said, we want to retire Bethany within the first 12 months. I said, here's how you do it. And they did it in under 12 weeks, which was just amazing to me. In fact, you'll hear how they <laughs> made that decision. And it's just really a, a very cool story. But they haven't had to do it with a lot of properties. They have eight properties today. So if you think about that, that's one new property per month. And that's not through ownership. That's through arbitrage and through co-hosting. And they've done it with little to none of their own money. And now John is kind of seen in the future, he might be able to retire as well. But there's a lot of things that we go into, a lot of gold nuggets through this conversation that go beyond just their story. And I hope that you'll be ready to take some notes because this is going to be super helpful if you're serious about not only starting this business, but continuing to build it and even building it through other strategies like creative financing like midterm rentals. So without further ado, let's get to it right now with John and Bethany Davis here on the Fearless Investor Podcast. 
Hey, welcome into the Fearless Investor Podcast. You've got me, Kyle Stanley, and John and Bethany Davis, who are actually just a couple hours north of me in Lodi, California. Really great story to share with the audience today. I'll give you a little bit of background about this relationship. But before we do, John, Bethany, thanks for being here. And what is the crazy short-term rental story you've got for our audience today? Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, so we fortunately have had very good guests. We've had a couple that were like, meh, we don't really like that. So our guests have been great, but however, we have this property where the neighbors have just been the worst. They've We arbitrage it. They've lied to the homeowner. They've yelled at our guests. They've complained to city council. They messaged the mayor. We reached out to them. Fortunately, the mayor messaged me and he's like, hey, this guy's, yeah, anyway. So we messaged the mayor. <laughs> and yeah. But I think the craziest thing that they ever did was while guests were there, one of them went and wrote in chalk on the street, huge letters, illegal Airbnb. Oh, God. And asked the guests to leave a negative review. So we, Anyway, what what did that guest do? They called us. They're like, hey, did you see this? And we're like, oh, man, they hate us. We do everything right. And they still just keep, you know, complaining. And uh, the city of Lodi's approved it. The city of Lodi is great with us and they love it. They get their tax. They have our business license. So, yeah, we told the guests and they were fine with it. But yeah, chalk, illegal Airbnb in the street. So, well, that goes to show you, too, as long as you're doing things kosher, as long as you're set up with the city the right way. Sorry, yep. neighbors. Yep. Yeah. You yeah. can say what you want, but we're doing we're doing everything kosher. I mean, we really tried to bend over backwards for those yeah. neighbors too. We don't want to be jerk. Well, I should say John didn't want to be a jerk back. I did, but we went with John's route and we uh, we stayed very professional and kind to them. All right. Well, you guys have a, a lot of really good nuggets that you're going to share today, just based on the experience that you've already had in what eight short months since you got your first one. I think you got your first one inked in March. You said yes to this business in February. And just a background for everyone else, you guys reached out to me and I was kind of telling the 6FF group here before we went live on the podcast, there's certain people that reach out to me that are like, yeah, I I think I want this business or I think I want to do this. And there's other people who are like, hey, we got to make this work. This is the road to either retiring myself, retiring my wife, retiring my spouse, whoever it is. And I felt that need from you guys. So there was no reason why you weren't going to be successful. And here we are nine months later and catch us up. Where are you at in your business today? Let's talk about how many properties, what does the income look like? What are you putting in your pocket? Just give us a little bit of a breakdown. Yeah, we have eight properties now. We have four of them are arbitrage. Three of them are co-hosted. And one of them is like a quasi partnership with the homeowner where it's not strictly a co-host. We're actually splitting the profit after we pay her mortgage and I pay utility. So eight properties operated that way. Our first property is still by far our best. That property alone, I don't think has made less than $4,500 net in eight months. Um, net, that's after all expenses. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure, you know, gross, uh, the the cheapest month we've had or the lowest month we've had there was like 7,600 or 7,700. Other than that, it's been almost virtually over $8,000 every month. One month was 11 grand gross nice. on that one house. Yeah, so yeah, so we have eight properties. Now we did the... Uh, we put in a decent amount of cash after, you know, but we also did interest-free credit cards. So we have debt that we have to pay off with that. All the money we're making is not profit. And I mean, not sure we'll get into this, but Bethany had to quit her job for our personal life. We have five kids. So we're pulling out like six grand a month right now, basically to offset the job that she used to work. And so okay. that money's coming in our pocket basically for kids' school and groceries and whatever other stuff we have going on. Sports. Yeah. And uh, the business is still growing an account where every other month we're basically dumping another 
five to 10 grand from the business back into the business. So Bethany, what were you doing before? I was a, a marketing manager for a construction company. Um, and I was doing that for really only about a year. So I had been a stay-at-home mom for years while running an online fitness business. Uh, this opportunity was brought to me and we just kind of felt like I needed to take it. It was something I wanted to do. And in January, the job description kind of started changing and I was no longer as happy as I was there. And bottom line, I just missed my kids. Um, I missed being on every field trip and being so involved in their lives that I kind of started to tell him, like, this isn't something I want to do anymore, um, so we need to figure something out. And then shortly after that is when we reached out to you. And we so we had very specific steps on what needed to be done for me to be able to quit my job. And I might have done it a little premature, yeah. but it was because our first property was, you know, performing so well. Yeah. That I just came home one day and I was like, I gave them my three months notice. I'm done. And he was just kind of like, what? <laughs> so, um, and that was that was after you got your first property and started seeing some income coming in? Yeah. Like three weeks after we started. Yeah. Wow. It was yeah. like, yeah. Well, I mean, well, it might have been another month or two after that, but it yeah. was basically right away. As soon as yeah. she saw the first house and we saw the numbers, she's like, I quit. Yeah. <laughs> I gave them three months though, so I finished three months. Okay. So I, I want to come back to that, but back up. You said something, John. You said Bethany needed to quit because of life going on inside the house. Bethany, did did you see it as a need or was it just like, hey, I'm I'm just no because you used a little bit of different word and you said you were just no longer happy in your current position. So what was it in your eyes? Was it about the happiness or was it about the need to be at home and and cater to the kids? I mean, you know, I think it was both. I think because I was unhappy at my job, then John and the kids then suffer too. I mean, it was fine. The kids went to after school daycare a couple days a week for a couple hours and they actually loved it. But our it was just what we were doing was not sustainable for the happiness of our entire family. So it definitely was a need. But, you know, there are people that do that all the time. There are two parents that have a lot of kids that both of them work full-time jobs. Um, but it's not something that our family was used to. So it was a new thing for them that was not. Yeah. Not okay. So, so three weeks in, right. I kind of pictured it going down with like, okay, the kids are in bed and now, Hey, this first Airbnb is making us money. Maybe we start talking about retiring me because I, I can see that you're going to move forward, but you just went into work and you were like, guys, three month notice. You got home. You said, John, we got to get to work. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if I had told you the morning that I was going to do it, I knew, yeah. I knew I had a meeting with my boss and I told him, I said, today is going to be the day. So I went to a work conference in February and my boss asked me to give him a year notice or what is it? Six months or something. Six months, six months notice. He's like, hey, look, I know you're not going to be here forever because when they asked me to take on this position, I said, look, I will give it a try, but it's not something I want to do forever. They knew that me coming into the job. So it wasn't like I just, you know, screwed them over. And so he said, will you give me six months notice? I was like, six months? So I get time. three months. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and there was a conversation. I think John was still in bed and I was like, hey, I'm leaving for work. Oh, by the way, I'm quitting today. Yeah. This sounds very familiar to the going and getting a dog thing. This Yeah. Week. This <laughs> I know. I sort of learned right now. We've yeah, seen a pattern here. <laughs> came up with a puppy out of nowhere a couple of days ago. Granted, yeah. our 10-year-old our puppy dog had died, so... Yeah, she replaced him. So hopefully, if I don't know, if I go two days later, I don't know. She could be replaceable. <laughs> we'll see. No, but you're you're replaceable, babe. Oh gosh! All right, guys. Well, one other thing that you mentioned as you were getting into this business is that you 
decided to take on 0% interest credit cards. Talk to me a little bit more about that. Why and how did that work? Yeah, so I've always had a little side hustle. I think this gets into it, right? I've always had a side hustle. So I originally started out pre-Gary V. We would flip garage sale stuff. We would go get furniture and sell it. And I remember doing um, like a fryer, a restaurant fryer, buying those and flipping them. And like we did that for a while. Then my, me and my brother did tickets for the Oakland A's. Just nice. buy them and resell them. We did that for a year. And then me and her dad got into cars. So we flipped probably 65 or 70 cars over the matter of like four years. Wow. It, yeah, we did that. And then after all that, I got into mortgages. And so I'm a licensed mortgage loan originator. And I did that for great for that during the time of when rates were really low. And during that time, I started to understand debt and leveraging debt and these people getting cash out refis, you know, and using it for investments and I helped a guy pull out a ton of cash out of his house and then he bought a fourplex and just learning about leveraging debt. So then when we started this, I go, you know what? I don't have a ton of money. I have a little bit of cash, but if I can get free debt and use it to basically fund this, like it's a no brainer. And so we got our LLC. We just followed the steps actually that you checked out for us. And so people are starting, like we didn't reinvent anything, right? We followed your steps. We, we got an LLC, we built our website, got our pamphlet. Took that LLC down to Chase, got a, uh, put $5,000 into that account. And that day applied for a credit card and got like a $30,000 limit interest-free for 12 months. Nice. Five days later, applied for another one, I think American Express, and got another 15000 And then a week later, applied for one more. Anyway, ended up with basically like 65000 interest-free. Uh, you know, All for 12 months? Yeah. Okay. So... How have you used that in the business? What does that look like? And how much does that eat into your cash flow currently? When, you know, just kind of give me the breakdown of that so I can put my hands and feel on that and feel it. Yeah. So if we take just the first property, for example, the rent was 3,200. So we paid first month in deposit. We paid $6,400 for that, right? Uh, 3,200 deposit, 3,200 cash. And we negotiated the first three weeks for free. Okay. Uh, so Great. that was our setup time and we we're brand new. So it took us a while to set up. So really used, quickly, how, how did you negotiate that? What, a lot of people probably want me to ask that question right now. Tell me yeah. what you said. I just asked. I said, hey, look, it's a business. We're going to be a great, great renter for you. Everything's going to get paid on time, auto pay. We're going to take better care of your house than anyone, but it's going to take me a few weeks to set up the house. And is it just developing this partnership and relationship? Can you give me a couple weeks free to set everything up? Cause I'm not going to be able to live there. I mean, I'm not gonna be able to have people in there until, you know, stuff gets yeah. delivered. And the guy was like, oh yeah, no problem. That sounds great. And, cool. uh, I leaned on the business partnership. I like that. Yeah, just, and I, and I think it's important to note that this is a property manager. Yeah. So I think a lot of time people try to stay away from property managers, but we, he's been amazing. And we got our two other five bedroom homes, one that we're moving into today, um, from this as a referral from the, this yeah. property manager. That's great. Okay, so going back to $6,400 yeah. for the deposit and first month's rent. Yes, and then probably a total of another two dollars or $3,000 cash, I don't know the file number, that we used to pay people to help. Um, you know, a painter and people putting stuff together and people coming to clean, that, that type of stuff. Everything else we paid for on those interest-free credit cards. So probably- okay. $18,000, worth of design and decor. Yeah. Beds, design, everything that you need. Your whole list of that you have of your 155 essentials, um, consumables, everything like that. Everything was put on the credit card. 
yeah, to, to fund it. Okay. So you spent 20,000 on the credit card. It sounds like that deal is making you at least 4,000 to 4,500 net every month. Are you just taking all that cash flow and throwing it right back at the card to pay it off? Or are you just staying yeah. consistent with $1,500 a month to pay it off by the end of the year? So back and forth, right? So as we wanted to, as we wanted to keep doing it, Instead of paying that all off right away, I took all that cash and basically funded our next two houses with it. Nice. Along with the other credit cards, because it's like I could have put all that on there, but then a wait a year to open up the second one just didn't make sense for me. So we used the cash we got for deposit and rent for the next property and paying people to set up and doing all that type of stuff and then put all that furnishings on, um, you know, the next credit card. So now I pay like a thousand dollars per card a month. And then when cash is extra in there, I put it all towards debt. So like two months ago I, or three months ago, I put a $5,000 payment towards one of the cards. So just trying to pay it off that way. So because you're netting 4,500 a month and you're paying about a thousand per month, then you're still netting over $3,000 a month on these properties. And you're going to have this card paid off before the end of the year. And you didn't have to take any money out of your pocket. That's, does that sum it up? Uh, yeah, it might take me longer to pay them off because I have we just, we just keep reinvesting it. And then, um, that's probably the, so it might take me a little bit longer, but by the yeah. end, you're big yeah. Right yeah, still, I mean, that, that's an amazing strategy for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people just get really paralyzed at even the arbitrage model because they're like, I don't even have the money to furnish the property. And I mean, you had, I know, I know your situation, you had the money, but it also would have strapped you guys a little bit. So the, the cards really kind of came through in the clutch for you, right? Yeah. And once, so once we did our first one, it took like three weeks to set up. And this is just for somebody else that you can negotiate this up front for your first house if you, if you kind of know what you're doing. But our third house, we, I negotiated two and a half weeks of free rent and we posted it on Airbnb and posted it online before we even had ordered anything. And we moved in on like May 27th, we got the keys. The house was ready to go on the 30th. And we had people in there on the 31st and I didn't have to give the owner any money until like June 15th. And so we actually rented it out for two weeks and got in like almost five grand and then used that money to pay the owner to the first month's rent. So that one, we almost didn't need any money for it. Just the timing and, and just negotiating it. Yeah, we did that one that way, which was pretty cool. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's maximizing time right there. Yeah. John, you mentioned that you've always got a side hustle going. We haven't even talked about the fact that full-time you're still a police officer. Yep. Uh, plus you're a mortgage lender. Plus you're doing this. There's a lot of things going on. So I want to ask Bethany, was it your idea to bring in the short-term rental thing or was it John's and you were kind of like, were you open to it? Or were you like, ah, gosh, this is just another one of his side hustles. Tell me about that decision to, to start this business. Yeah. So John always has big ideas. He's like the visionary and I'm the integrator. So I like, he'll have a plan and then I kind of make it happen. So when he brought this to me, he showed me you on TikTok or maybe Instagram and then a couple other guys. And I'm like, oh, cool. Okay. I'll watch the videos. Watched him. Um, uh, he showed me another guy that I was like, no. Mm -mm. Um, <laughs> then when I watched your videos, I was like, okay, I, I can relate to this guy. I like him. Um, so I think I mes messaged you on Instagram yeah. to just kind of see, okay, what does this look like? So after hearing it from John and I realized what he, this seems like something he's pretty serious about. And so I think we just had a conversation like if we're going to do this, this is something that we need to be able to do together. So because your his time was so limited and then have it be something to where it could replace my job. 
So once I talked to you, I think that that's when I was like, okay, we can do this. I liked the fact that you were in the same state as us. I liked that you just weren't this Ryan Pineda real estate investor flashy guy. Um, you know, we've invested. I haven't shown you my my Ferrari in the back. <laughs> yeah, you you keep that all hidden from me, so that's great. The, plane, the plane's in my shed. I, it's <laughs> one of those compact ones. Yeah. So once once we kind of and then you know once we started coaching with you, I knew that this was something that we both were going to be pretty good at, and we loved having you as you know your accountability to keep us on track and. Um, the course to just have the step-by-step tools given to us on exactly what we need to do and really streamlined it for us. Well, and I've had a lot of couples on here and, and, you know, we always kind of like to ask the question, what is each person doing? But I feel like there's some deeper stuff that we can get into right now. And for those of you that are like, well, I really want to know what Bethany and John are doing. I kind of know your guys' situation just to sum it up. Am I right when I say like, Bethany, you're a lot of like the team management and the kind of making sure that people are going to the places that need to go in order to make sure that the turnovers are going well. And John's really kind of on the sales, the numbers and the analysis side. Yep. He pretty much solidifies the deal, then passes it off to me. I run the day-to-day operations. And then his customer service skills are so incredible that if we have an angry neighbor or an angry guest, they deal with him because they don't want to deal with me. <laughs> but John's very good at like diluting situations. Well, that comes from being a police officer, really. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. I go just like, how do I just make this all go away? <laughs> all right, listen up. If you are not using Price Labs, you are literally throwing money in the trash. Dynamic pricing is a must in our industry. If you don't know what that is, dynamic pricing is just a fancy term for supply and demand pricing. When demand is high, Price Labs will get you high price bookings. And when demand is low, it will fill up your calendar while the competition overprices themselves and leaves everything vacant. I was dumb in the beginning of my short-term rental journey. I thought I could do it all without Price Labs. So one day I just said, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm going to try this thing out. And immediately my income went up 15 to 20% on my listings. I really was kicking myself. I should have been using this from the beginning. So don't make the same mistake as me. Get started with your free 30-day trial at fearlesskyle.com forward slash Price Labs. Or even better, how about getting 25% off your first six months as a thank you for being a part of the STR six-figure formula membership? That's right. Go to fearlesskyle.com forward slash 6FF to become a member and claim that discount today. So I want to dive into this for a second. You guys are in Lodi, California. And I remember when we were looking at this, I was kind of like, you know, this isn't exactly the most amount of data when we look at AirDNA and Airbnb and kind of like really dive into the numbers. I kind of was like, ah, this this might be a little risky, but you both were really confident in Lodi. Why, why Lodi? I understand it's in your backyard, but why go beyond the backyard? Why Lodi and what made you so confident? So I think it was a combination of one, really knowing this area, knowing that people do come here, um, that there's not a lot of short-term stays. There's not, I mean, hotels-wise, right? Um, and so the Airbnbs that were here, the numbers looked really good for them. Um, and when me and you went over that together, that's, I think, what finding, finally gave me the like the motivation like or the confidence, like, hey, this is going to work, was just purely based on the other, other houses in this area are making this, and they don't even look that good. If we put a really nice one in here, I bet you I can make the same numbers or better. And if we do, then it's going to be successful. And so I think not just not just knowing the city and not having a gut feeling about it, but looking at the numbers with you, because that's how I am. I'm more analytical on that type of stuff of like, 
hey, this is pretty simple. This says that we're going to make this much. Let's just believe it. Or like, hey, we're not going to make any money, so we probably shouldn't do it. For example, I know that three bedroom, two baths here are a dime a dozen, and they just don't do that well. And for some reason, we know the people, and the house is really great, and it's in downtown, and we wanted a house in downtown. But we did an arbitrage on a three bedroom, two bath, and we lost money the first month. And this month we made, you know, our rent's 3000 I think we made like $400. Well, that's not like, and yeah. And for the net, you made 400 yeah. yeah, and we got a last minute, you know, weekday booking that saved us this month on it. And so it's like, I like I knew it. Why did I? And so fortunately, that's like a, we had a three-month test with them. So we have one more month to decide if we want to keep going or not. But so originally looking at those numbers, I'm like, why did I get away from that? Because just looking at the numbers and going over the analysis with you and even the few houses that were here, but being very specific with those houses um, gave us the gives the confidence to step forward. I also think that there's another part to it that at the point we were in life when we started to where we were both working full time, we had very, very limited time. We were like, look, we've got to try this in our backyard or we can't. Like, We don't have time to drive even 30 minutes to build mm. a team there. So we really have no other options. So that played a big part in it too of like, if we're going to do it. We have to do it here because... We, so, we have resources here. Side question of that. And then I want to go back to what John was talking about. Now that you have all the experience, you have the eight properties, you have the team, Bethany, do you feel like you could pick up the phone and try this in, you know, writing California, which is even further up north without, without having to drive there? hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've yeah. been looking in uh, Reno and Carson city and Nevada and up in Folsom. We've been looking yeah, quite a ways away already. Is that because this is, easier to do remotely than you thought, or you just have developed those skills. So now you know how to go out and do this without having to be there. Probably develop the skills. Not easy. I mean, if you get the right people, I guess yeah. it can be if you yeah. get the right people, because we have an incredible team right now that, I mean, I barely touch, I don't touch the day to day at all. Right. And I, Bethany Honestly, does, but not a lot. And so, yeah, I hired recently, we, we hired, um, someone who is just, I mean, I sometimes feel like I don't work. Sometimes I work one hour a day. Sometimes I don't work at all. It's been great. Yeah. Like we left for a week to Disneyland. We didn't do a thing that entire week. And we had like eight turnovers in one day and yeah, a whole nice. bunch of stuff. We didn't have to do anything. So, so John, going back to the numbers, right? You, you said that when you were looking at the data, it was revealing for you on getting emotion taken out and just trusting the numbers. If I'm listening to this right now, whether I'm analytical or not, I just want to know, like, what are the top three or four or five things that you looked for in order to get the answers that you needed to take those next steps and be confident in the deals that you were doing? Yeah. So it was, I'm sure you want me to answer this, but like the first is like, I, I go on AirDNA, I followed your uh, eval plan, right? As mm -hmm. well as because of just how I want to learn and you brought him to me was John Bianchi and mm -hmm. he has a whole course on YouTube. That's free, like three different masterminds that are free that are, I don't know, eight hours each. And so I watched all of those along with what you taught in your eval. And it's just, I looked at, just go look at what other Airbnbs are doing and then know that if I do it better, I should at least expect that if not more. And so I look at what they're doing what do they look like? Like what's the competition like in that area? And, um, and then basically go into Airbnb itself and go to that area and search for houses and see what the rates are at that time. Um, and just use that to like, okay, is AirDNA data good? And I put all those together and then look at how much is it going to rent for? 
and will I make money or not? And so definitely took all my gut or emotion out of it. When I very first started, I didn't really know how to do that. So looking at the numbers and then having your re your confirmation behind me, like, no, those look good. I would do it. That was like, okay, that's, that was kind of like the final straw. That's like, yeah, let's, let's send this off. If I'm doing it now, first thing I do is, is it allowed there? Just like you teach, right? Mm -hmm. I do it there. The next thing I look for is which size house do I want to do? And are those making any money? Like the market overview from AirDNA from that basically area. And I look at which houses are making the most money. And uh, I've looked at enough areas now where I can just see based on like, hey, two bedrooms are making 18,000 a year. Don't don't want that. Five bedrooms are making 160,000 a year. Okay, I'm gonna look at this market very closely. Five bedrooms are making 60,000 a year, like not worth it. And um, so I look at that. And then once I find which size house, which as you know, I like the big ones now. Uh, <laughs> once I find the uh, what size house, then I actually dive into the area of the city. Is this side doing better than this side? And I really, I really get specific on which areas do I think the properties are making the most money, and that's where I want to. That's where I try to get one. So, so you just mentioned the big houses, and I know that that first deal you were talking about that nets you over forty five hundred a month is a five bedroom. I guess what did the process look like? How did that? What was the step by step to find out? Like, okay. Um, I should not go after the three bedrooms. I should not go after the two bedrooms. I should go after this size bedroom. What was it about that that allowed you to say like, okay, this is exactly the kind of house that I want to go for. And, you know, also just like, I kind of think that speaks to the fact that two or three years ago, right, we could get on Airbnb and we could make money with just about any size house. But I think this is a really good strategy to understand. So I really want you to like give people exactly why this is important to the business because you can't just get on Airbnb and just list anything anymore and make money. Yeah. So when I first started, it was your confirmation and looking at those numbers. If now from what I've learned over the last eight months, the biggest thing I'm like competition is good, but I would rather be the best in the least competitive area. Or if I'm in a market, at least be competitive in the least offered product, which mm. tends to be the bigger houses. So Air DNA specifically will tell you what percentage of houses are in that city. So you can look and see, hey, there's 80% of them are three bedroom, two baths. 19% of them are one or two bedrooms and 2% are five bedroom houses. And so it's like, wow, five bedroom houses are doing well and it's only 2% of the market. So I'll go to Airbnb, I'll go to that city, like say Lodi, and I'll type in, or like, like we're looking at another market now, right? I'll go there and I'll type into Airbnb and I'm like, hey, I want 12 guests and I want to stay next weekend or I'm open and like two homes will pop up. So I'm like, wow, the two homes that are there do very well. They don't look that great. They do very well. And there's only two of them. If I want to bring in nine guests or 10 guests, there's a ton of Airbnbs there, but they're all smaller. So I look at like, hey, I can I can go into that market. It's a great market. But why do a three bedroom, two bath when it's a price battle? Because there's so many homes. If I go to the bigger house, if someone has nine, nine people, they only have three options. And mine looks the best based on the way we do pictures like you do and the collage photo and all that type of stuff, and the way she decorates like. So that's my strategy. Now, I think about people like you're in Arizona, right? And you have houses in Arizona, right? I did. I, I don't anymore, but I did. Yeah. So I know a lot of people in Arizona and then people talk about like Florida and Orlando. And my brother was looking at one right here up in the mountains. And um, he goes, Hey, what do you think about this house? And the same thing with people in Florida and Arizona. It's like, 
it's so competitive. Yeah. If you want to be successful there, you better be re ready to drop a hundred, fifty, two hundred thousand dollars into your house to make it a, a resort. resort outside of the resort of Disney World. Otherwise, you're not going to be competitive. And um, so for me, I'm like, I don't want to put that much money into a house if I don't have to at this time right now. So I'm looking for markets that have good numbers that I go and like, there's good houses here. They're making money, but they are just run by hobbyists, not by professionals, right? right? And so if we go in there as a professional and set it up really prime, um, I just think it, it's a great way to make, make better money in like a little bit smaller markets, less competitive. So do you think that goes beyond just the size of the house, the number of bedrooms? Do you think that there's other things that, well, I guess just even in your own market, are there other things besides just the size of the house that you're doing, um, hot tubs, amenities, things that make it still that low supply but high demand type of house? Yeah, we have we have two houses with hot tubs that do very well because of the hot tub. There's only, and like I know in Lodi, there's only two, maybe three houses in the entire city on Airbnb that have swimming pools. So mm. we have a house that we're taking over in April that has a swimming pool and a hot tub and it's four bedrooms. So I think I think that one's gonna do incredibly well. We did a uh creative finance offer on a property that we did not like it got it fell through right at the lat, like at the final moment it fell through. But that was a five bedroom house with a pool and a hot tub. Like I think just being a little bit differentiated, adding that extra stuff in a market like this does incredibly well. That the house I was talking about with my brother up in the mountains, he goes, Man, this one would do great. And I go, Yeah. And we pull up AirDNA and Airbnb, and every single house looked the exact same. A log oh, wow. cabin, three or four bedrooms with a hot tub. Like there's no, there's no way to be different there. Like it, I go, it's a price battle here, Matt, you know, to my brother, you know, it's a price battle. Whereas we can come to Lodi and make our house look super nice, put in a hot tub or just make it super nice. And it's going to do better than the rest of them. Cool. What's next for you guys in this business? Hopefully I get to retire. <laughs> <laughs> Good. What, what's got to happen for that to, to be a reality? Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about it, but as you start into real estate, it's just crazy, like the things I've learned that I didn't even know existed, right? So I've partnered with a guy. Uh, I know you had Jeremy on here, but I've partnered with a friend who already does government contracting. So we're looking at getting into some government contracts for housing. I found out that the state of California needs a ton of office space. So I've been trying to connect the state of California with some of my friends that lease properties and getting paid a commission off of that. Um, and then we've also... Like I know you've had Lame on here before, but learning about creative finance and and some of the deals that you're doing and he's doing, um, we've been putting in creative finance offers. So whatever's next is the next big deal that says yes while we continue to grow our while we our continue Airbnb. to yeah. yeah gain more properties and we want to take on some more co-hosting properties. Uh, we have one coming next yeah. week. Yeah. So I've always heard and I've always believed that when you focus on one thing, that's when it really grows. And you talked about side hustles. You talked about really just looking for whatever deals are out there. Do you think at some point you say we have to pick like one lane that we're putting 90% of our attention into and then dabble in the other things or or even put your blinders on those other things? Or do you think what you're doing currently is going to get you to those goals? I I mean, my view, and I, I could be wrong, but right, my view is the way we're going is actually going to work because I'm not trying to do it myself, right? Like, me and her definitely have our moments where like, I'm going to punch you in the face. And like, I don't want to see you tonight, right? Like, 
Um, but it's not often. So like working. I hope she's saying she's gonna punch you in the face, not the other way around. <laughs> if you yeah, you yeah, know it wouldn't be him. Yeah. But uh so just like us, like our relationship and be able to work together and have fun, like virtually most of the time, right? Like there's definitely times where stress just gets the better of most of us. But partnering together, I think has helped, but then not just with her, but like Ashley, who she's hired, Ava, who has helped me. My buddy partnering with my buddy on the government contracts, like he's doing most of that, not me. They're doing most of the Airbnb, partnering with my brother on some other stuff. And so it's like if I have other people significantly helping, then yes, I think it's doable. If I get in over my head over a bunch of stuff, then I'm willing to to back off. But there's just so much big opportunity out there that that has my eyes have been opened up to. Yeah, he more just gets the idea and then delegates it. Um, Because there's no way he could do it all. This is as amazing you are. Yeah. (laughs) Good. I've got one random question. Just knowing your situation, John, you did something that I think is pure genius. Can you talk about the midterm rental strategy that you used uh, to find potential leads and then outsourcing all of the, the grunt work so that you could focus on really just building the relationships for midterm rentals. Can you talk about that for a second? Yeah. So we have had a company stay with us that has been a great client and I mean, probably paid us 35,000 in rents over the last, I don't know, six months on um, some of our properties and they're a subcontractor with PG&E. And so we went to PG&E's website and downloaded a list of 4,000 companies that are subcontractors with them. I uh, sent that list to Fiverr.com and got the phone numbers for the companies. I think we only have 400 phone numbers, but like, let's start Fine. with the sample and then started just calling them, asking if they ever are in this area and have been saying for us no. And if they need, if they need housing and that has been me cold calling them that part. I also, based on uh, your buddy, Justin, who was um, right. Justin, who was in one yeah. of our uh, Monday night classes. He goes, oh, I had a buddy that went to the hotels. I, I literally did it that night. I drove to every hotel in Lodi, wrote down the name of every company that was on the side of a work truck and brought it home, looked up their phone numbers and been calling them. And so we've gotten, I've gotten four. No one has stayed from that yet, but I have gotten four That's, people that are like, yes, we want to. Hey, yeah. that might work out. No one has booked a book to stay, but I know like Alex Ramosi and some other guys are just like, you want to be successful, do the, st- do the boring stuff over and over again that other people won't do. And so if I have to call 100 people to finally get a company that says yes, it's like, okay, the one company we have right now is $35,000 in rent in six months. Like if I get a half a dozen of those, like that would be very nice. Yeah, you're, you're doing well. Uh, so just so everyone knows, PG&E is a gas and electric company oh, here yeah. in California. Okay. So if you are in Florida or Texas or whatever, the key thing here is who's your gas or who's your electric company? And then you said you went to the website, you looked at the subcontractors that are contracted out with them, and then basically sent that list to a person at Fiverr, asked them to get all the phone numbers. And yeah, you're you're doing the cold calling, but you could even just get another Fiverr cold caller yeah. and just have them do it if you wanted to. We could. And I just I was like, I want to test this, see what kind of script I should put together for it and how what the feedback oh. is. And and um, you know, it's been good. But we got into the holidays and Thanksgiving, we went to Disneyland. So there's some, yeah, that was only a month ago. So there's been some time in between, but I just think it'd be a cool story. Like, oh, how did you get this midterm deal? Oh, I cold called 500 companies and I got 12 <laughs> of them to say yes. And now I never have to work again. That would be like, that would be cool. <laughs> None of that sounds unrealistic. Yeah. Uh, 
guys, uh, thank you so much for jumping on here. Where can people follow more of your content? Because you're not just uh, doing this thing. You're showing people your places. You're you're getting into the Airbnbs and, and really showing behind your business. I'd love for people to see that. Yeah. Yeah, I got. So I'll tell you the names. And this is, you know, when she messaged you, you said, hey, she messaged you. So she has a forever has had an Instagram account, Be Fit Davis. Yeah. Um, she has like 25,000 followers or something. Naturally, I made mine Be Fat Davis and have like uh, 900 or 1,000 followers. So when I found you, I was like, hey, babe, you message him from your account. You got the blue check mark, not me. And so that's how, that's how I wish she, she messaged you. But now we're Be Flip Davis. So, so we got Be Flip Davis. I'm, I'm challenging you right now i think she has a lot more oh okay you got twenty three thousand. i okay. for some reason i thought bethany was at like fifty thousand, but you you were you were closer than i thought so yeah <laughs> all right so b flip davis um any departing words um bethany I, I i'd like to hear from you any departing words just uh, words of encouragement or next steps that you think people should take if they're either thinking about getting into this business or want to take the next step to elevate their business yeah, I think sometimes people uh, don't get started because they think, oh, it, you know, I'm not ready or I'll start next year or I'll start after the holidays. And really, you're never going to fully be ready. So just start now. We kind of have a thing that we we say yes and then we make it happen. And if you're in this community, you have the best resources to be successful. So there's no way that you cannot be if you're willing to put in the work. And it just takes a little hard work and a lot of consistency and you'll definitely do well. And then I just want to say, you know, I know we're wrapping up, but you hear our story and like, you might think it's all rainbows and yeah. butterflies, but we still are in the grind. We haven't made it. We still like, I'm still working full time, right? Um, there's still a lot of hard work that goes into it. We've been uh, almost sued once the threat of another lawsuit. We've not been paid on one of our huge invoices. Like we've had struggles and we've learned from that and put in policies to make it better. But yeah, if you do what she said and you t use, use the resources that Kyle has and no one else in this group, like you definitely should be able to, to take the next step. So those are good words. Thanks guys. Appreciate you helping our audience to conquer the world of short-term rentals and uh, just continued success to both of you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. B Flip Davis, go check them out on Instagram. And we are going to continue to pump out great content here during the holidays. I hope you're enjoying your holiday season. But we've got still a full lineup of guests. Plus, I've got some other really exciting things coming out again in the new year. So make sure that you're following everything on our social media at Fearless Kyle. Checking out our website, fearlesskyle.com. And continuing to subscribe and tune in here on the Fearless Investor Podcast. We'll see you next time. We're helping you to conquer the world of short-term rentals. See you later. Hey, Fearless Investor community. Thanks again for listening to this episode of The Fearless Investor. If you haven't already, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And for more free content, check out my YouTube channel, also called The Fearless Investor, and our website, www.fearlesskyle.com. Until next time, keep on conquering the world of short-term rentals.